On Thursday, a group of people gathered near Israel's border with Gaza, right up against the perimeter fence. These were relatives of people being held hostage inside Gaza. For the hundred-plus Israel believes are still alive, this coming Monday will mark 100 days of captivity. The families were using loudspeakers to blast messages over the fence, urging their loved ones to hold on and not give up. Bring them home now! And think about this. It's probably the closest physically these family members can get at this point. But will the hostages be able to hear the messages, or anything for that matter, if they're being kept dozens of feet underground? Remember, Hamas is using a series of elaborate underground tunnels to move supplies, evade Israeli ground forces, and to keep some of the hostages. You can't even stand up down here, it's so low. Well, recently, CNN got to see one of these tunnels up close. This was a room, a properly decorated room, and there were other rooms that uh, went off the corridors that were in. It, it was part of a massive labyrinth. Today, we go deep beneath Gaza to understand how Israel is battling Hamas and how that impacts civilians above ground. From CNN, this is Tug of War. I'm David Rind. We've got Nick Robertson back with us today from Tel Aviv. He is CNN's international diplomatic editor, and we're talking on Wednesday evening. So, Nick, can you tell me about your latest trip inside Gaza? Yeah, the IDF took us into Han Yunus. It's the first time they've taken international TV journalists into Han Yunus. It's the main focus of their efforts in the south of Gaza to go after Hamas there. They took us into a tunnel and we went deep inside one of the tunnels that they've taken control of. They said hostages had been in there. Mm. Uh, this tunnel went deep, deep, deep underground. And so what's it like under there? What you hear? Yeah. It's claustrophobic. It is hot. It is sweaty. And it's a maze. And down here, you really can't hear anything. What's yeah. going on in the outside Anything. World? When there's no light, it's absolutely pitch black. Moving forward. And we went down a metal ladder, yeah. then down concrete stairs, between 10 to 15 meters underground. 10 to 15 meters. And we're going, we're going down. So there's more going there. We're gonna go down here. And along a corridor and down another set of concrete stairs, along a corridor, turned sharp left and the other tunnel went straight ahead, down another flight of concrete stairs. Now we must be 20 or 30 meters down? Um, we're almost 20. Yeah. Almost 20, yep down another flight of concrete stairs. Mm. We stopped to look at various rooms. Uh, the ceiling was getting lower and lower. You can't even stand up down here, it's so low. We had to bend and my head was bumping off the ceiling. And then uh, at one point we had to get on our knees and literally crawl in the sand. Wow. But it has these solid, solid concrete uh, walls. Iron doors. What are we looking at here? This is a, a small room. 
Okay. With, with some kind of air ventilation yeah. system. Yeah, air ventilation end. system that goes up. Yeah. All right. And we went in a bathroom there. There was a, a 20 meters underground. Mm. There was a bathroom and it had a flushing toilet and it had a light wow. and it had air conditioning. Look at the ceramics. Yeah. On the side. They tiled so, it. They tiled it, exactly. Huh. So they spent time in here, right? It, it was wasn't just, you know, a toilet in a corner 20 meters underground. This was this was a room, a properly decorated room, and there were other rooms that went off the corridors that were in. It, it was part of a massive labyrinth. Back to some fresh air. I can already feel that fresh air on my face. Boy, does it feel good. So it sounds like people, whether it's militants or even hostages, right, could be living there for some extended period of time based on kind of what you described. Absolutely. The tunnel network we were in, hostages were kept down there. Some of those hostages have now been released. They were released in November when there was that temporary truce. And the Hamas leaders and Hamas figures and Hamas fighters clearly have an established base in that tunnel network because we saw the command and control systems and wires, communications, equipment that have been left behind they could sustain themselves down there for a long time. And the IDF showed us videos of an even more complex and sophisticated tunnel setup where it was a whole kitchen that looked like you could have been standing in a kitchen in a house, even with a big clock on the wall and kitchen cabinets and, and hmm. all that sort of thing. It's phenomenal. And these networks, the tunnel we were in was at 20 meters depth, but there are tunnels there, the IDF said, that go down to 60 meters. There are different layers of tunnels, 20 meters, 40 meters, 60 meters. They have different functions. And sometimes they don't, these different layers don't interconnect, oh. which is what makes it hard for the IDF to take control. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm cognizant that you're with the IDF and they're kind of showing you what they want to be seen, but how are they approaching taking out these networks then if how you describe it, they're just so vast and deep? The commander, the division commander there who took us down the tunnel and showed us said that fighting Hamas above ground and below ground, it's like trying to do a Rubik's Cube. No modern army has had to fight above ground and underground like this before. How, how is that to do it? It's difficult. It's very difficult. It uh, takes from us uh, uh, the ability to improvise and bring forward different capabilities that we have. Because they're quite literally under your You know, feet. you can be literally standing above Hamas in a tunnel below you. You don't go to the tunnels there and they're right beneath you. We might, we might be standing, so we just stood overground here. So we might be standing and in any second a terrorist can just pop out and attack you. So we do what we do and we use the different methods that we have and I asked him about, you know, standard military procedure. You, you see the enemy and then you send troops around the side to flank them. I said, how do you fight when you can't see them? And he said, you use all your senses, you know, not only vision, but smell and, and, and temperature. It's changing the way that they fight. And these, these tunnels that, they, that are there in Khan Yunus are different in a way to the tunnels they found in Gaza City in the north. Mm. They provide almost a city beneath a city 
rather than just an interconnectivity between different locations. They're absolutely places where leadership or hostages or others can spend long, long periods of time. Many miles of tunnels we've discovered up until now. And many more to go. And many more to go. We'll be right back. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. We're back with Tug of War. I'm speaking with CNN's Nick Robertson. And so how does that complex mission then intersect with the idea of trying to better protect civilians and be more surgical in this new phase of the war like we've heard about? Yeah, that was a question I asked. I asked it several times. When you go underground here, so you know that there is no civilian, there are no civilians over here. Underground. All Hamas underground. So any the way the IDF division commander described it to me is that anyone in the tunnels is is Hamas or a hostage. These are not tunnels used by civilians. Mm. And I said, well, you know, you say that you're you're taking the fight to Hamas below the ground, but civilians, Palestinians are still being killed above the ground. Right. And he said, what the IDF says when you ask that question, they say, we're providing safe areas for the civilians to go to. He also said he wanted the Palestinian civilians to turn against Hamas. Well, what does that mean? Well, which as we've seen, it doesn't connect with the reality for Palestinians because Hamas has the guns and the civilians don't. Right. And they, they've many of the civilians in Gaza have always been um, either compliant or complicit with Hamas or otherwise utterly unable to, you know, to challenge them. But when you when you're in this kind of battle, yes, sometimes you'll have uh, incidents of uh, of uh, casualties, uh, unfortunately. Uh, but this is this is war, right? So war whenever you ask these IDF commanders, they will tell you the same thing, and that is, we try to avoid civilian casualties. And the other side, when they came over on October the seventh, expressly went out of their way to to create civilian casualties to kill civilians. You know, those three hundred people at the music festival. War is about uh, trying to uh, defeat your enemy uh, and their casualties uh, during war whether it's on our side and unfortunately un unfortunately on our side and unfortunately on civilians on the other side as well. Um, and they draw that parallel and they say that their tactics are designed to 
avoid it. And you say, well, your tactics are actually resulting in a lot of casualties. Sounds like an endless circle of a conversation. Yes, it, it could be. I mean, the, the reality is, you know, they have a very clear view of what their military mandate is, and they have a very clear view of that they're executing it within their own parameters, and they believe that those parameters are justified. And a journalist like me is not going to shape them out of that paradigm, at least not now. You've been inside Gaza a few times now with the IDF since the start of the war. How does this trip kind of compare with some of the other locations you've seen? I thought the damage to buildings in Han Yunus uh, was slightly less than what was seen in the north. We know statistically, that represents what we know statistically. So in the north, we saw so many buildings completely flattened, completely destroyed. And there are a lot of buildings in Khan Yunus that are completely flattened and completely destroyed. We didn't see any civilians, but we did see buildings that had only suffered minor damage and some buildings that didn't appear to have suffered any damage at all. But there are, wherever the military is operating, there is a sort of a cordon sanitaire around that area, whether it's a large base or the area around the tunnel head, right. then civilians near the IDF forces are clearly in danger because they're not there. Um, and that's the only conclusion you can draw. Well, Nick, thanks for bringing us to that picture. Appreciate it. Thank you as well. Tug of War is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Taylor Galgano and me, David Rind. Our senior producer is Haley Thomas. Dan DeZula is our technical director. And Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of CNN Audio. We get support from Alex Manasseri, Robert Mathers, John Dionora, Lenny Steinhardt, James Andres, Nicole Pesaru, and Lisa Namoro. Special thanks to Caroline Patterson, Mohamed Tafik, and Katie Hinman. And just a quick programming note, Going forward, we'll be posting episodes twice a week on Wednesdays and Fridays. So our next show will be on Wednesday. And in the meantime, you can head over to CNN.com or follow the CNN Five Things podcast wherever you listen for the very latest. I will talk to you later. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.